Hello and welcome to episode 28 of Saladcast this season. Um, myself, Ollie, and, we've got, and Glyn as always, and this week we're joined by Sean. So Glyn, how are you doing? Good to, good to be back again, though unfortunately um, it feels a bit like Groundhog Day again with um, a sticky result and a sticky performance, I'd say, on Saturday. Yeah, I'm all right, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, it doesn't really take us anywhere, the result this weekend, does it? Another point. Um when we get to talk about the game, obviously we've got a bit of a chat about our recent form, whether it, it is good or bad. I can't really make my mind up when I look at some of the stats, but yeah, all right. Um, I, I obviously had a bit of a different experience this weekend, um, sitting in the posh sheets, um, got invited uh, by um, Roger Groves to join him and some people from the NHS in the um, Arthur Rowley bar. So I can bring a bit of a, a reflection of that and um, a nice close-up view of Steve Cottrell, which we don't normally get because um, we sit in the West End. So that, that would be quite good. And um, yeah, all in all, I, I don't know, we, we've got to see where we go in the next few weeks, haven't we? But um, yeah, it'd be a good game to talk about. There's quite a, quite a few things in it that kind of did come up, but we're not just us, Ollie. Tonight, are we? We've been joined by a guest. Um, Sean Evans is back um, on for the first time in a while. But um, yeah, Sean, we were just talking before we started recording um, uh, that you're back in fo- women's football, aren't you? Having uh, moved back to a team you used to manage. So yeah, give us a bit of an update about your managerial career since you were last on. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a chaotic last couple of weeks. Um, so obviously, previously I was with Shawbury United as the assistant manager. Um, men's first team at step six level um, and I think COVID kind of didn't help a lot with that um, obviously we had two incomplete seasons and I think it got to a bit of a case of after COVID and after lockdowns was a, I, it was a bit of an evaluation of your own life really and I was a bit like have I got the time to commit to to doing as much as I can because you know it's, it is long hours it's unpaid it's voluntary so it's long hours and long distances to cover even home games were long distances so I decided just to take I just thought it's best that I finish now um, whilst I did and you know I've always got that love to do managing and coaching anyway but it was right finding the right time and and Telford came along a couple of weeks ago and it just seemed to be the right fit and the right time and say I've I've been there previously had huge success there before and um you know, I said to the club, "It's on, I've got a bit of unfinished business there because you know I left. Few few things happened, and I left. But you know, mm. I wanted to go back there and and make a difference. As I said, it fits in nicely with with work and and life now. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm pleased to be back. And it's been it's been a, a mad two weeks trying to sort out quite a lot of things. Um, but I'm kind of like at the moment in the. Uh, focusing on to next season and rebuilding at the moment because it's you know it's a lot of work that needs to be done but no it's all good I'm, I'm pleased to be back into it good man yeah and you said you had a good result today which helped Shrewsbury towards winning the league so uh, I'm so sure all Shrewsbury fans will, will thank you for that in terms of helping our women's <laughs> team towards some glory but um, yeah it's good to have Sean back on isn't it Ollie and um, yeah good to get his kind of coaching experience and what he's been doing in the game yeah it'd be great to get Sean's opinion on the game on Saturday. Um, it's obviously quite an interesting game from a tactical point of view, so I'm sure Sean's got something to add there. And also, I think it's good to have another a voice, Glenn, as well, when we talk about the transfer window. Yeah, Really yeah. keen to get Sean on to chat <laughs> about the transfer window so it's not just me and you um, chirping away. Um, so, yeah, good to have a guest on this week. Obviously, one game week, we tried to get guests on. So, yeah, plenty to discuss, some interesting topics this week. Um, but, yeah, let's get into it. Well, Shrewsbury are definitely in the ascendancy. Here's Lynch. He's got that! It's gone in! Unbelievable! Two in two minutes! 3 1! Shrewsbury Town 1, Fleetwood 1. Attendance 5,800. There's about 200 Fleetwood fans, but in fair credit to them, they made a lot of noise. Um, up there, probably with the best, um, some of the best away fans we've had all season. So, fair play to them for making quite a bit of noise. 
Um, Fleetwood got their goal on 21 minutes in the first half. Shootertown got their goal early in the second half through Leahy in a penalty. And then obviously Cam Scott sent off, which would be quite funny when we get to that point. Um, a few interesting stats, Grant? Yeah, this week. Um, I, I tried to look at form over the last few games. Really try and figure out what, what's quite going on at the moment. But um, yeah, obviously we've just played five games against teams below us in the league um, and only taken four points from 15, um, which is pretty diabolical to me to be honest with you considering the sort of quality of team we've been playing since Sheffield Wednesday so um, not a great not a great bit of form there but um, it's interesting really and it's one for Sean I suppose at the moment we are only one win in seven or we are only one loss in nine what what is what do those stats say to you about where we are at the moment Sean do you, do you know do you know is this a good run recently or a bad run it, it's difficult to put your finger on it isn't it it is really it's still, it depends <laughs> where you look at it really I mean for me the thing that I'm pleased with in a way is we've made ourselves harder to beat, which we weren't good at doing at the beginning of the season, yet we're not taking those chances when they come our way. Um, so it's it's a bit of a double-edged sword, really. Um, you know, we're notorious for not beating teams below us, so, you know, the results that are happening at the moment, there's no real shock, really, but... Yeah, I think it's that. It's that really. Yeah. I think it's a case of both things really. We're, one, we're not taking chances when they come our way. We're not prolific enough as a team. However, we are making ourselves harder to beat. So, you know, we we're a little bit of a how can I talk, call yeah. it placid, bit placid. Yeah, I think that's a fair fair word actually. To be honest with you, Sean, it's interesting because the other, other stat I got here, which kind of backs up where we're at, I suppose, at the moment, is um goal scoring. And me and Ollie had sort of talked about it for a while, and we we finally got back to scoring more than one goal a game. Um, uh, before Christmas with that good run but we're back to, to looking like a really bad goal scoring record against guess, again, again this season um, yeah only the bottom three teams have scored less goals than us now we've scored 28 this season Crew and Gillingham scored 24 and Donny have scored uh, 20, sorry Crew and Gillingham have scored 26 and Don Cashler only scored 24 so as I said back to less than a goal a game Ollie um, something we were quite pleased about a few weeks ago when we got back beyond there but yeah it's definitely dropped off obviously with these 0-0 draws and, and games we're only scoring one goal yeah, goal scoring. It's not gone away, has it? No, goal scoring issues come back. Let's be honest. Daniel Doe started scoring a few goals. That that made our attack look a lot better. Um, but he's kind of potentially, you know, reverted back to the norm and you know not scoring every week or not as regular as he was. And then you just, and I think the context is key. You know, we drew with Crew, we lost to Bolton, we drew with Gillingham, and we drew with Wimbledon, and we drew with Fleetwood. Um, that's pretty poor very poor return when you think you've got you know five games there um, against teams that are at the bottom and we come away with just no victories it's just very poor Um, and not only have the results been poor the performance has been really poor as well Mm. It's, it's, it is that halfway house as you both described there you know you can come across it from being poor and Sean was really good in saying that it's you know we've become hard to beat but deep down regardless of whether you think this is a good or a bad run certainly the points um, return has just not been enough as it to kind of keep us too too much further out of trouble than we are which is obviously only four points now and at one point on Saturday um, if it hadn't been for a late Bolton uh, winner or equaliser was it um, we'd have only been two points off relegation so yeah it's interesting both ways you can kind of look at it a glass half full and glass empty a glass half empty really so it'll be telling this week when it were two away games which we'll come to later on about quite what this recent one means. Um, if we don't pick up more points, then obviously it'll look even worse, won't it? But um, let's turn to Saturday, Ollie. Um, let's start with the team selection. So the team this week was um, saying back three and Murray seen goal and that we've seen for quite a number of weeks now, Pennington, Ebanks, Nurse. Bennett, Vella and Davis. 
Um, and then Leahy came back, who manages very coy in terms of Leahy's fitness. He came at left wing back, um, and Fornau and Kane stayed in midfield. Um, and then he had a Doe and Bowman. Um, so obviously there was one force change with a better uh, moving on. I think we'll save a better chat for transfer window. Um, but um, mm. Sean, what did you make of that lineup? Were you, were you quite pleased with the team selection? Um, I don't know really. I mean, I, I was disappointed, obviously, to see Lee. He dropped a left wing back. I know we signed him as a left wing back, but I've, I mean, we come to talk about it probably in the second half. But I look back on the first game of the season when we played Burton, and I think Lee he really, really struggled at left wing back. And when he's played there, he hasn't been in his his. Uh, his self where he, he can make a real impact so I was a little bit cautious of mm, we're we missing that in the middle of the park missing Leahy I, I kind of I know like he's obviously brought in his left wing back but for me I kind of look him as a centre mid now because he's actually done a, a great job in that midfield three and for me he's a key player yeah. in there does he I probably was he, to pay left wing back I don't he probably does he probably does but I think he offers us really good balance in the midfield Um and to be fair to Nurse, Nurse has done fantastic in the back three. I was kind of expecting Flanagan to come in as the back three. And I know, obviously, I saw talk of Cottrell, obviously, doesn't tend to start players he's brought in. But the difference is the player he's brought in in Flanagan, he's match ready. So he's he's played virtually every game this season. So he's ready to jump in if needs be. So I'd have probably gone Nurse left wing back and him as a back three. Uh, that would probably been it, but the rest speaks for itself, really. I mean, it's it's what we've got available, isn't it? Yeah, it does. The bench had a, probably a few more pros on it, but not real attacking threat, which is obviously a big issue, something we'll come to in the transfer transfer window section. Um, but yeah, I'm not surprised Fanningham didn't come in. Um, I think in terms of organisational structure, that's what um, Cottrell really, really likes. Um, he wants players that are used to that system. So that's why I thought um, Flanagan didn't come in. I think also it's a it's an interesting conversation. Obviously, you're going to put Leahy in the middle and move Nurse around, but you'd have to move quite a few players around. So maybe you don't want to make too many changes um, for this Saturday. But I'd expect Flanagan to come in pretty soon. Um, but yeah, um, what was your thoughts of um, the team, Glenn? And what was your kind of pre-match a bit like? My thoughts of the team is if Ogbear Antlis had been sold in the last hour of the transfer window, we wouldn't we wouldn't have changed the team, would we? We would have <clears throat> played the same team that we did at Wimbledon. But um, yeah, one of force change, and I kind of can see what he was trying to get out with that change, like Sean and himself just described. But um, yeah, obviously my pre-match, yeah. So yeah, I had tickets to the um, to the Sovereign Club. Well, not the Sovereign Club, but down in the Arthur Rowley bar, where um, the football club were inviting, obviously inviting NHS staff to use the the um, best seats in the house. Um, so trying to build on that, they've been inviting some people, from, I think, from the Nuffield Hospital and uh, Chris Hudson, who's been on the podcast before, worked for the NHS. He was there, and so there was a spare seat, and um, I got invited along by Roger Groves, the sports liaison officer, to kind of help him kind of chat up the town with some of these people who might not have been too much before, and um, and kind of experience it there for the for the podcast as well a little bit so got there quite early doors um yeah went in saw Sib who was back in the club shop so it was good to see her back which is which was great and then yeah bit of grub uh for anyone that's never done it before yeah you basically go in there at like 12 45 um get a bit of food it's three courses it was uh what was it melon and some some ham um with a with a bread roll and then a pie pie and potatoes and peas and a, a nice bit of sticky toffee pudding actually so that that did me quite good and then you get Andy Tretton coming around um obviously as the uh the, the guy that sort of looks after people who are doing the corporate stuff had a chat with everyone um was really good at talking to some of the kids there which I thought was good so fair fair word for Andy Tretton he looks like he's doing a fantastic job there in terms of being that kind of connection between the club and people who are coming in from from maybe you know not being regular fans so that was 
good. Um, TV views were on, watched the Kidderminster game, um, and then, yeah, came out to my seat as normal, um, about five minutes before kickoff, you know, trying to trying to keep in with the Porn Sandwich Brigade, um, and yeah, sat in a seat that was getting rained on. I would have preferred to be in my normal seat, Ollie, because I did the wind was have to have smiled to myself because I knew you'd have been getting wet. <laughs> my pre match was a bit not as exciting. Um, went to Kidderminster to get some paint, um, saw a lot of traffic, and then ate a KFC in a car. <laughs> And then drove wow. to Shrewsbury. Not quite as salubrious that, Ollie, to be fair. But um, no, the whole thing was, was good, actually, to be fair. I should give the club some credit. You know, they're, they're trying to encourage um, people who, who obviously sponsor things to, to want to do it again. And also when they're doing these things where they're bringing people into the club to kind of, um, you know, show a bit of sort of outreach as well. I think they looked after them. Everyone seemed to leave, which was um, leave with good spirits and got chatty um, with everybody. So, yeah, f- fair play. I think it's the sort of thing that the sports ladies and officers um, in conjunction with Brian and, and other people at the club do quite well. So um, I think they deserve a lot of credit for that because it's some of the stuff we don't normally see behind the scenes do we but um yeah I, I got rained on because of one thing uh sean which was wind um it did have quite an effect on the game didn't it on saturday it was it was pretty gusty during the match horrendous the wind has been absolutely horrendous well the weather's been horrendous all weekend it was just as bad today but yeah i i i always laugh at though that side because obviously having worked at the club before and knowing the layout and how it works it always does make me <laughs> smile where if we've got a uh, say an evening game in the summer the sun's setting on the west side and you can the people are blinded on the uh, on the east stand so the people that paid all the money for the best seats cannot see a thing yeah. and then you've got when the wind's driving as well you've got them getting soaked as well so yeah I was enjoying myself up in block 8 I was nice and dry to be fair <laughs> well, I was on the padded seat. That was one bit of a bonus from uh, from a bit of corporate hospitality. So it was a wet uh, padded seat, Ollie. But um, none- nonetheless, it's a, a bit more comfortable than normal. But yeah, the wind was a bit of a nightmare, wasn't it? And it made it a bit of a scrappy game at times. But um had an effect on the game, I think, in terms of some of the moments and bits and bobs that happened. But uh, it was the same for both teams, Ollie, wasn't it? And, uh, you know, maybe Fleetwood probably did better with it in the first half, that's for sure. Maybe, yeah. The, well, the win was against them, wasn't it? They were struggling to get clear the ball a few times. Yeah, um, yeah but, they did better. Yeah, I didn't really think the wind dominated the game that much, to be honest. Um, maybe disagree with you there in terms of the impact on the game. But it was a poor game of football. I don't think if it had been calm, it would have changed the quality too much. Shrewsbury Towns, I thought, started yeah. quite well. Um, there was a really nice ball, wasn't there, from Leahy on the left into Bowman. Bowman does fantastic. He gets the ball on his right, puts it, cuts in onto his left. Really poor finish, decent save, um, but that was quite poor. But probably the probably the probably the biggest maybe talking point from the first kind of fifteen minutes or so was the booing um, for Toto Sean, which I thought was quite necessary. Um, I was absolutely livid with it. I thought it was an absolute disgrace. I mean, don't get me wrong; he's playing for an opposition team, but. You know, let's not forget what a fantastic servant he was for our football club. You know, he was part of a team that was probably, in my time, and you guys might agree, the, probably the best season I've had at following Shrewsbury Town because, you know, they made us dream dream and do things that we've never seen our team do. So for me, nah, I didn't agree with that one bit. He was fantastic servant. At the end of the day, he made the club some fantastic money as well. Um, sure. So, yeah, he, he for me, he deserved a, a hero's welcome. I applauded him. I know a few others around me applauded him because at the end of the day, you know, as I said, he was fantastic for us and there was no no way he should have deserved the boo. And, you know, I said this to somebody yesterday, what happens if somebody comes back like John Nolan with Bristol mm. Rovers, for example? Are we going to boo him then? You know, it's. It, I just thought it was pathetic, really. I was really disappointed with that reaction. 
it's it's funny, Ollie, because I think um, there was a bit of chat I saw online about why it might happen, and it was you know there's there's sort of this thing about they maybe refused to play in that first game of the season before they moved to Ipswich. If you remember, they moved quite late in the window, um, so maybe some people have got the hump about that. But I totally and utterly agree with Sean. I thought it was completely unnecessary, and yeah, we talk about that season and how how they made a stream and how much we love those players. Um, and how sad, sad we were to see them go. Let's be brutally honest about it. The season before, he pretty much, you know, along with a couple of other lads, helped save us from relegation, you know, when when Hurst came in and we were struggling after um, the previous manager. So, you know, he had two seasons where he did stuff for us. And there's not many players that can say they, they put quite as much into a, a season and a half as, as maybe Toto did. And there isn't many players in the history of our football club that can say they earned us a million pounds. So, um, yeah. to me, you know, deserves a hell of a lot of credit for his on and off pitch things. Yeah, maybe there's a couple of people that kind of think that last bit wasn't ideal and probably the same people that will call Paul Hurst a snake. And I saw a few people calling Toto a snake as well. And probably they'll say the same thing about Nolan, uh, Sean, like you just said then. But um, for me, it was nice to see him get a nice round of applause when he went off, actually. It kind of, there wasn't many boos there and it did kind of feel like it redressed the balance a little bit. Yeah, you've got to be a bit dim, haven't you, to be honest, to boo a player who performed absolutely excellently for us, moved on to the championship and, and got us a, tuck- a bucket full of money. Like mm. he, he contributed on and off the pitch. Um, yeah, it's just a bit daft, really, to be honest. If, shame, but um, yeah, but um, yeah, talking of shames, um, a bit of a mess up at the back between Leahy and Nurse. Um, basically, Fleet would keep the ball and basically maintain an attack, attack down the right hand side. Um, Nurse and Leahy, you could maybe say, weren't close enough to their men. Um, cross from basically from the byline, um, and then Pilkington comes flying in, headers into the back of the net. Um, a good goal from a Fleetwood point of view, but um, a frustrating one, Glynn, from a Salop. Yeah, to me, you can you know point some things at the defence. We can. I mean, having sat behind Steve Cottrell pretty much on Saturday, I know exactly where he was laying the blame on that. He was furious at the midfield for not tracking Pilkington um, and, and seemed to be getting at Davis a little bit more than anyone else after it. So that's maybe where the manager thought there was a little bit of work. Davis was um, right next to him um, yeah. when, when the ball in the back of the net. So it was, if there was yeah. someone tracking him, it certainly was him. Or should yeah, have been he didn't do enough, him. did he? No, so a terrible goal to see though, just sloppy all round really. And as I say, it was um, it had been you know since we had that early moment, the Bowman chance that you mentioned before, which was a bit of a shocking finish. I thought um, you know Fleetwood started to get on top from that point onwards, didn't they? And they certainly controlled it after they scored. But yeah, Sean, not a good goal. And um, it, it, the crowd had started okay, but it was a goal that kind of took the life out of the crowd, is what I thought. It did, it did, and it. It did seem quite a quiet atmosphere even before the game. It just seemed like, I don't know if it was weather or not, but people just didn't seem to be full of beans. Um, And yeah, the goal was was a shocker. And, you know, we had that spell where Leahy and Nurse and the whole back four just seemed to have lost. We just had an absolute brain fart moment where we couldn't clear our lines. One was leaving it for the other. And one didn't know what to do with it, and we just never reset. And the goal weighs, he's literally ran straight through the middle, and you can see Pilkington, he's unmarked, nobody's tracked his run. To be fair, great header, but you know, somebody tracks his runner and, and gets his body in the way, that doesn't happen. Um, yeah. And it was just, it, I kind of stood there thinking, I had, had a feeling that would happen because you know, the Bowman chance was a guilt edge chance. I think a fully confident Ryan Bowman would slot that away. And I think at the moment, because he hasn't got himself a goal for a while, it's probably playing on his mind a little bit as a striker. And I think that's probably where, if he's if he's flying, he, he tucks that away. And we've seen him tuck chances away like that all season. But, you know, it's, he just seems to be on that little run that strikers have. 
I say it again, Ollie. That miss against Sheffield Wednesday has ruined Ryan Bowman. He just hasn't been the same player since, whether it's just fatigue or is a little bit of mental uh, anguish about um, not having scored for a while. He's definitely not playing to his best. And um, I was remembering my dad today. We were talking about a match like we normally do. And um, my dad was like quite a lot of people, I think, sort of saying it'd be nice to see Bowman drop out if he's going to play, you know, the middle of a, of a two like we did in the second half. Why not give Bloxham a little run there? Why not, you know, let's see, see what he can do? Because he's struggling to justify starting every game, really, Bowman at the moment with a lack of match contribution. As well as I think, goals, yeah, I totally agree. I think Bloxham should be getting a start, maybe even giving Jano a start as well. But yeah, why Bloxham hasn't started, I think, is a good question and one that hopefully the media mm. will ask um, the manager why he's not given a go. But yeah, the first half really was dominated by Fleetwood. Um, obviously, we beat them quite comfortably at their place not so long ago. Um, so that's a bit of motivation for them. But I thought they came with a, a brilliant tactical plan. Um, they executed it brilliantly. Um, they didn't give us any space and time. Um, they they played a high line, um, which stopped us kind of creating any space. Um, we couldn't get the ball out. And for me, then it's that kind of interesting debate. A lot of people maybe like criticise the defenders, but if the defenders have got no one to pass to and no one's showing, um, and also then the opposition yeah. are doing a really good job of, you know, closing us down and not giving that space and covering those angles. It's you know you can yeah, the defence wasn't great, but I think. No. I think it's a little bit too simplistic to have a go at the defence um, when it was the the really good tactical plan from Fleetwood basically meaning they didn't have any options. Um, and yeah, it was really interesting. I, don't, I know a lot of people at halftime were expecting a change. I tweeted out um, just before the half ended that we needed to make some tactical change. So I was really pleased we did that. But um, obviously we'll come on to that in the second half. But yeah, Glenn, it, was, it wasn't a good first half performance, was it? No, I think you're right. When I when I look at where we maybe lost that first half or definitely got dominated, it was in midfield. Um, yeah, the defence were poor. I have to be honest with you. You know, they weren't great. They kept making mistakes. They looked jittery. I did wonder whether the three centre backs had been unsettled by assigning a new, experienced centre back that's played every game this season. So um, that probably didn't help their overall confidence. But um, it was in midfield. And I, I think we personally, like Sean mentioned right at the start of this, missed Leahy's energy in midfield because. Um, you know, Davis, Vela and uh, the, the new lad, I don't know, he got left, he hung out to dry fauna, I thought, a little bit in that first home start for him, which wasn't really helped by um, the behaviour of the others around them. But yeah, Vela and Davis were just way off. What but they I think it's, I think it's harsh, incredibly harsh to pick on, pick on um, the new lone lad who's only played a couple of games uh, when uh, um, you've got Davis and Vela um, who were playing really poorly. I'd agree the Ebanks wasn't playing very well. Nurse didn't look as yeah. good either. Um, e- um, Bennett and wasn't playing very well um, and I think also the front two have been really poor really from the Bolton game and potentially Bowman from Sheffield Wednesday so yes he wasn't great in the young lad in central field but I think it's quite harsh to put too much blame on him he, I think he got subbed off more because of the other players a bit more experienced rather than his performance I thought he was least trying and he made some decent runs no, if you listen to yeah, what I just said, I said I thought he got hung out to dry. That was the unfortunate yeah. thing for him. If he comes in and plays with Vela and, and um, Davis at the top of this game, he's obviously going to look like a much better player, but he didn't look like he had much of an influence in that game because essentially the other two weren't playing very well either and the midfield got dominated. They looked a bit more aggressive and and, and, and sort of attacking in midfield. The closing down was really good. And I don't, yeah, I don't know, Sean. To me, it was, it was definitely the midfield where we kind of lost the battle and that's what put the pressure on the defence and caused all the mistakes, really. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I... I, I... Completely agree with what Ollie said. I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that there was just no no movement. I thought we were so static as a front line. Um and on four on Tyrese four, I thought he tried to make things happen. He was always looking for that forward ball, but because there was no runners, it was always coming back. 
And but what Fleetwood were doing, they were they were just pressing us and forcing us back, and we were sideways, sideways, sideways all the time. But from high up, you can see a lot of how we were set up, and we just weren't we just weren't making those runs where the difference between the two of us were Fleetwood were, and they were getting themselves in in areas that were starting to hurt us a little bit. Um, and every time the ball was coming forward from our side, it was just coming back again, um, and we just never got time to reset and. When you've got your your big players, your seven, eight out of tens, barely scraping a six, you know it's 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 always going to be difficult to get an upper hand in the game. And I think on the strikers, yeah, Bowman has had some highlights this year. Doe went on that stretch where he was fantastic, but they are are they average League One strikers? Are they below average League One strikers? And um, do they need to really be on form for us to kind of tick? Um, it is yeah. worrying, isn't it, that those two click out of form um, and then our goals dry up completely. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Um, I think with, I think they're both very good players, but I think we, as a club, well, as a team, I think we lean so heavily on them two to deliver. Um, are they very good compared you to know, we are Sunderland, Ipswich strikers, Rotherham strikers? Or do you mean good for lower end League One teams? I think I think I think we're good mid-table, lower-end league, league one teams. You know, they're not going to be players that are going to be smashing you twenty, thirty goals a season. You know, we've not. Been, let's be brutally honest. We've not been blessed with one of them since James Collins, and we had him at his best. But we're in a position now where we have got two strikers that are in double figures or, or approaching. I don't know what Bowman's on now. Um, nine, nine. <clears throat> but he's approaching double figures. Um, but we've got players, both players in double figures. But I think as a team, we rely on them. To deliver too much, and yeah. we're not getting goals from other areas of the pitch. And it this is where it both comes of them out of form as well, does it? No, agree. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, they're, they're both struggling at the moment. That's for sure. Um, funnily enough, I thought Odo's best part of the game was once again all that we talked on here, where second half we jigged things around and he sat slightly deeper, and, and I think he had more of an impact on the game then. So there is maybe something to be looked at in terms of what we're doing in terms of a front three or a front front two, and what can get the best out of the players that we've got. Um, because I think they play better in the second half as a, as a front as a front three personally. But um, there we go. Before we wrap up this half, really, because. You've kind of covered the main talking points, I suppose, in terms of match action. Um, we were rubbish. Fleetwood had most of the chances. We were lucky to go in just the uh, the one nil down, weren't we? But yeah, Steve Cottrell, really. I don't want to just talk about him because you know we've sort of seen him at away games. We've been reasonably close to him on the on the touchline, I suppose. Not not too close, but definitely the closest I've been to him at a game all season on Saturday. And um, he definitely lives the game. Ollie uh, would be my best description of him. So it looks like he's kicking ahead in every ball. He's constantly shouting onto the pitch, like even at moments where. The players are sort of seem to be engaged in like transitions and match action, and doesn't really feel like anyone's actually listening to him because they're completely focused on in the game. So doesn't stop to shouting, other than to turn around and uh, take two or three notes on a little bit of scrap of white paper, which is obviously for his halftime team talks. So yeah, I can't fault the man's passion and effort he puts into managing us as a football club. To be honest with you, I mean, on the base of it, but man, he isn't afraid of balling him out in front of the crowd, which is a really fascinating thing to have seen. I've not seen too many managers get like that when I've when I've sat in the East Stand or um, been close to at some. Uh, away games you'll give them both barrels like there was a couple of times where there was like drinks breaks for injuries and stuff and they came over and he would he would literally just shout the name of the player he specifically wanted to talk to Bowman Bowman Ryan you know get over here and he'd go over and get get a good telling off um he was hammering Morosi the entirety of the first half um he did two goal kicks back to back that were really poor and on the second one he just shouted at him you did that five fucking minutes ago like furious and so that wasn't good and then at one point Ebanks came over and he gave him like a, a lesson on how to defend like during the game so he's definitely a, an active 
character to watch on the touchline. I'm not sure um, I could put up watching that every week. It would time me out, I think. But um, yeah, I think most my, my most interesting observation of it, of it is that he will make fans who sit there aware of who's not having a good game. You can pick up on who he's absolutely not happy with their 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 sort of first half. And yeah, you know, I think maybe Bowman, Davis. Morosi seemed to get the worst of, of his ire during that first half, Ollie. So it was a fascinating watch. Yeah, next to the family stand as well, which is quite funny. I know, lot of uh, swearing, but yeah, it's um, <laughs> a lot of swearing as well. But yeah, it's not surprises that it's um, no, it's his style. Um, it's a style that he goes with. But yeah, end half. I think we're all quite happy for the half to end. To be honest, and let's be honest, you know, there's a couple of opportunities that that um, that Fleetwood had. And, you know, two scrambles in the box. It could have been 3-0. Uh, you know, if they'd taken those chances, those scrambles in the box, we could have oh, been easy. much yeah. worse than 1-0 at half-time. So, in some ways, I was pl- pleased to get in at 1-0 at half-time. Um, and as I kind of we hoped, um, there was a switch of formation. The formation really wasn't working. Clearly, obviously, if you play the same formation every week in, week out, and play the same players week in, week out, eventually, um, you're going to get caught out and the opposition are going to... You know, twig onto how you play and the set and the patterns that we play and the kind of the, the strengths that we have. Um, it wasn't working. We switched to four three three. Um, Safona came off. Lee went to midfield. Bennett went to right back. We had a back four, um, and then yeah, and the Doe and Jenna came on to play on the wings. Ado on the right, and instantly we had much more space. Um, and it was yeah, we just basically obviously started creating chances straight away. And for me, it was that tactical switch. Sean, that I thought was basically key for us to get in a little bit of space and a little bit of joy because the the same formation every week um, has kind of felt like it came to a little bit of an end on on Saturday be interested to see what we do on the following week on on Tuesday night but um yeah we've we've I think we've been I don't know how to describe it but yeah we've we've been sussed out well Fleetwood had sussed us out at least yeah I I do I do give credit to Cottrell here in the fact that he did change it he had the balls to change it because because I look back at, you know, we could talk about Sam Ricketts. I mean, how many times would he have stopped the same? How many times? There yeah. were no tactical changes ever. And it was, yeah, no. frustrating. It would stick it out for another 10, 15 minutes and then he might decide to do something. But no, I, I do, I do. as much as Cottrell annoys me, he is tactically astute and he, if he sees it, he'll change it. So I take my hat off for him there and it did make us better. The energy in the team was there straight away and the energy in midfield was there with putting Leahy back in there. We just looked a completely different team. Um, but it was the fact of putting Janner in there who offers that bit of bit of pace and a bit of summit different. You know, he's, he's a raw lad, isn't he? He's not really got... He's not really the uh, the complete article yet, so he's going to do something a little bit different. And that's what he did. He came on and made a difference. And it certainly looked a lot better. And, and like you said, with the way we've been the last few weeks, we've we became... I would almost say stale a little bit because we've been the same team. We've not really changed it a lot of bit. We have been sussed out. Um, Predictable. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. I'd say that's the word to, to use. Mm. Um, you know, the, the tactics always seem to be, we play it across and then we always seem to go for channels. Um, and then they they shut us off and then it just keeps it keeps coming back to us or it goes out for a goal kick or it goes out for throwing, which seemed to happen a lot yesterday, which was very frustrating. So all those balls that we were looking for crossfield switches or, or into channels just never came off. But no, fair play to Cottrell. The change worked and, you know, I take my hat off for him for, for actually having the balls to be uh, to be making that change. 
Yeah, I totally agree with both what you said there. You know, it was a change. In some respects, I got to give him a lot of credit. In, in others, I think we had to change it. There was absolutely no way we were going to get back in that game, continuing to play how we did. So it was almost something that was almost forced on him. But he definitely was astute enough to figure out where the space would be if we if we changed that tactic around. And, and the pace from from Janai um, and, and Leahy back in midfield um, and dropping a doe back in so he could run from deep, it just gave us more threats. It gave the defence more to worry about. And it made Fleetwood take that natural step backwards to kind of think, OK, we need to figure out how to deal with this. And just them taking that step backwards gave us the impetus to kind of have that probably only good, really good 10 minutes spell of the game for me. Um, and obviously we scored our goal during that spell, which was, which was good. Um, and yeah, I think that was probably the, the best part of the game for me. It got the crowd going again, really, because we ended that half really flat as it went on um, really bad. And, and you know, I, it, for me, again, sitting in that stand, I, you know, I was listening to South Stand and it, even the South Stand went quiet, which I think is incredibly rare um, this season, the way they've been. And um, obviously there was booze on half time, wasn't there? So it, it was good that we started to get the fans up. It, just going back to that, really, to me, it was a little bit, you know, very different to recent games home and away in terms of fans staying with the team. Um, at the end of that half, it clearly showed there's a little bit of a concern about our current predicament. But um, things did change in that 10 minute spell, kind of got everyone going. And yeah, Ollie, it did It did lead to the goal, didn't it, as Town pushed on in that, in that good spell? Yeah, just on the. Um... On the, on the kind of the crowd, I think, mm. yeah, you know, a lot of them go to home and away. Um, I yeah. think five, five or six performances in a row is gonna because they get a negative, negative reaction uh, eventually. Um, but yeah, the crowd was very, very flat. Um, but yeah, we did get a goal. So basically, ball came down the right, got some space. Um, Jenny got the ball to a doe. Doe ran into the box, and yeah, um, yeah, and then um, um, and then Jules basically takes him down, and it was an easy one for the referee to, to decision to make. Yeah, it's nice to see Jack Jules make a mistake <laughs> as an ex-town player. Um, obviously, Toto and Jules are their centre-backs. So, um, yeah, a bit of, bit of an error from him in terms of bringing him down, but it looked like a stonewall penalty to me. I, I couldn't disagree with it. And, um, yeah, Alan Shearer-like finishing from uh, Luke Leahy, wasn't it, Sean? Yeah, fantastic. It was, it was quite funny, actually, because at half-time, we were, I was talking to myself, my girlfriend and, and Sam, and we were saying about, um, not Sam, or Sam Watson, and we were talking about... Oh, how many penalties have we actually had this season? And I think we've only had one, haven't we? Which was was it was it one with Bolton away for Bowman and we and he shanked that one? Missed it. Um yeah, exactly. And we got one straight away at the beginning of the second half. And to be honest, I Lee, he's the best person on that pitch to take a penalty for me. You know, he was yep. clinical when he was playing for Bristol Rovers. So for me, it was a no brainer. And it was a fantastic finish. You know, it was no keeper in the world will save it. It was high high into the roof of the net. Fantastic. Gave us that platform then to hopefully build on. It did. It was definitely a platform we thought we would build from. And then I think from that goal onwards, the game became rubbish again, in my view. And again, I think the wind didn't play a part. I know Ollie thinks it wasn't, but there were so many times when you know a ball got kicked forward and it held up in the wind and a defender misjudged it or a striker didn't read the flight of the ball. And I think the game just got bitter and bitter as it went on. And, um, you know, we give we give Cottrell a lot of credit, um, Ollie, in terms of making those tactical changes at half time, But, you know, after the goal, we maybe had another five, six minute spell where we still played really well. And eventually, um, I think it's Craney, isn't it? The, the Fleetwood manager, you've got to give him some credit because he made some tactical changes. And again, it kind of changed the flow of the match, didn't it? Yeah, he certainly did. So he switched for a back four and then the game just went into this pretty dire, non-entertaining, just stench of period of time where nothing happened, did it? From For basically kind of oh. like 50 minutes or so up to kind of like 80 plus, 85 plus, not a lot really happened. It was quite a dire um, game of football, really. Um, not a lot going on, a lot of mistakes. Um, probably the only real highlight, really, I thought, was um, yeah, 
basically that ball up to up to Do, up to Bowman and Ado, where Bowman ducks and Ado is offside. Um, but I'll say probably the, um, the only real benefit, Glenn, from that kind of quite positive really was that threat that Janai had on the on the pace on the on the wing, and basically we were just trying to get the ball to him most of the time. That seemed to be our tactic. Yeah, I, I think it, you say Bowman ducked it, but I think the whole reason Ado was offside is Bowman actually got a flick on. Um, no, he I think didn't. The ball gone straight through. I don't, I'm not he sure if he didn't, did. But I think the referee, thought, the referee he thought he did. I think Odo was offside because... anyway, to be honest. But... Yeah, not sure. It was very tight. I was sitting right in line with it, so I thought if he hadn't touched it, he was probably been fine. But uh, you know, we will come out all of our judgments on that. But yeah, it was a bit of an unlucky moment. That talking about Janahai, yeah, I thought his pace was definitely a, um, a really helpful thing, and I'd like to see more of him. And I suppose Sean, you know, we, we often think about uh, Cottrell saying. And you mentioned it at the start, he doesn't like to throw players in straight away, he likes to get them up to speed. But it certainly looks like Janahai has got up to speed now, doesn't it, from from what we saw on Saturday. And in reality, should be pushing to maybe start some games. Yeah, he does look a lot sharper now. Um, I think when he came in, he looked a little bit of rabbits in headlights. Um, but he, yeah. he's, he's definitely looking a lot sharper now and he made a, a, a good impact. Um, the issue is, would you would you go and start him from the very beginning? I don't know. It's It's... <sighs> He's still a young lad, isn't he? And he's still very raw. Mm. He's not. He's not experienced at this level. You know, is he a wild card that you want to bring on to make an impact as he does when you've got the two up front that are, I wouldn't say bullying the centre arse, but obviously working them, and then you've got somebody to come in with a bit of pace. I don't know. It's 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 a difficult one, but I suppose that goes back to obviously our our recruitment issues. But um, He's done himself no harm, has he? Let's be honest. No. He's done himself no harm, and if he was to start, I wouldn't have any. I wouldn't have any qualms against him not starting this week. You know, he he certainly put himself into the uh, you know into the into the manager's thoughts now for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see that front three given a go again at some point now. As we talked about being predictable, why not mix it up? It just it looked so much better with a couple of people running with the ball from deeper and, and Bowman looking to get flick ons as they ran in round the back. There was one moment in the second half where Bowman did win a really nice header. He flicked it into. Janai's path and he used his pace and he, he almost got there I think he ended up running out of play and it was obviously some, some something that's been worked on in training so um, yeah I, I don't know I think I'd rather see something different now than the two guys up front because you know they can't go for many more games without legitimately being dropped because their they're, they're, contribution to goals has simply not been enough as it um, so yeah so game went on didn't it um, in that sort of uh, scrappy scrappy form I suppose uh, that we just were talking about um, it was a bit frustrating. I know Ollie was tweeting about this, but um, I think it was Harrison in midfield for, Harrison for uh, Fleetwood kept making fouls. Yeah, he was. You weren't happy. He wasn't booked, Ollie. Yeah, he did like about three fouls in the first <laughs> half, and he just continued to do it in the second half. And yeah, I'm just surprised. I thought the referee was actually really good throughout the whole game, apart from this just one point that Harrison kept fouling all the time and didn't get booked. Um, but then, to be fair, you know, later on in the game, we came into it a little bit more, I thought, and this is probably mm. where um, Steve Cotter had those comments about where we could have won the game, which is, I think was a little bit um, one-sided view, to be honest. So basically, um, we had a, a, a ball, basically Ebanks had a shot, um, was a header, I think, from a corner, and that was well saved. And then we got the ball down the right again into the box, and a doe had a shot cleared off the line. Um, which was probably our two best chances after the penalty in the second half. And then there was a very, very funny moment, wasn't there, Glenn, in front of you, where Camp went <laughs> off the pitch um, to t- um, because he went off because he went down injured and then the physio came on and he seemed to have a bit of a... Well, he obviously is not the most intelligent of chaps um, because he did two stupid things in this game. Um, but what <laughs> happened, um, obviously you're in front of me, so you're in front of it, so you can probably describe it a bit better than me and it Sean. It was a bit odd. Yeah, it was a bit odd because like Cottrell was screaming at him to do a long throw. Um, so Nurse is down there getting ready to do his long throw, and suddenly Ebanks trots up from the back and and looks for a short short throw, 
he throws it to him, which I don't think Steve Cottrell was overly happy about. Um, and then he sort of does a, a stop pass that's kind of looking like it's going to go back to Nurse. Nurse heads off as if he's running down the wing, and the ball just sort of stops in the middle. The guy who was off the pitch, who's not been called on, then runs on to to get the ball, and then he bank slides in there. And looking back on it, you know, it wasn't really a, a, too much of a mistake from Town. It was just a very good microcosm of League One football, like errors all around. And yeah. what we actually should have done is just toss the ball into the box. So it was. Um, well, I think that's what, more think that's what um, yeah, Ebanks did, didn't he? Ebanks kind of set him up yeah. so he could nurse could kind of run onto a moving ball. And then I'd imagine he thought that there'd be like runners. So you kind of get that yeah, second run and rather than just trying to do the straight one. But yeah, it was mm-hmm. a bit stupid. And then, yeah, really funny because the Fleetwood player came on the pitch and got an obvious yellow card for being a bit of an idiot. So, um, so that yeah, was quite funny. Um, yeah, I was going to, I'm just going before we go, a bit further, I wanted to ask Sean because obviously he's saying he was in he was in block eight and had a really good view of it. Those two chances that were cleared off the line, particularly the one where the keeper made the save and the guy cleared it away, I, I bet from where you were standing, you couldn't believe that ball didn't cross the line. Yeah, to be fair, they were they were great saves. That that first one was a great save. Um, it's one of those, and it you put it either if we didn't actually connect with both of them properly. I think if a doe, especially the one where um, if he connected with that one properly, I think that's in the back of the net. The same with the other one before that. It, it's it's a great save. However, but it was it's, straight at the keeper, it's, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think if we'd have made him work for it, I think that that's a goal right there. Um, I'm going back onto the onto the throw in and the uh, the comical rolling off the shin of E Banks Landell to then get the player booked. Um, I had a great I had a great view of it, and to be honest, it was it was it was hilarious because and to be fair, the fleet with that lad knew what he was doing because. Him and the physio walked off and stood in front of Nurse, who was trying to take the throw in. So he knew exactly what he was doing. He was playing silly buggers. And then I don't understand why Nurse went to go throw to E-Banks anyway, because everybody had come forward. So it's kind of lucky that it was pulled up there because of of E-Banks Landell's horrendous first touch. We could have been in right danger because everybody had committed forward to try and attack the throw in. Um, But yeah, I think if that was to be... Out again on say quest. It needed like the circus theme tune behind it because it was just it was just comical. It was hilarious. I think everybody around us just laughed at it because it was just yeah. I wouldn't say it was League One football. I would say it was League League Two standard. It was, it was below that. Was it? it was just obviously, oh. obviously, obviously lad isn't very intelligent because not and then a few moments later on. Basically, um, yeah, I think it, I think it was Harrison or maybe one of the other midfielders took out Pennington when he was going for a head of the ball. Clearly a foul. Um, and then um, Camp decided to run and charge at the referee, um, clearly using um, like abusive language towards the referee after he'd just been booked for being a plonker and get sent off. Um, and I thought that was quite hilarious. Yeah, what a, what a terrible way to get sent off. You know, a yellow card for running on the pitch when you haven't been called back and then uh, saying a few naughty words to the referee. Um, I'm not sure the, uh, the manager of Fleet would be too happy about that for his suspension he's going to serve. But um, it was pretty much late in the game, wasn't it? There was no real... No real thought that town were going to be able to take too much of an advantage of it. You know, maybe we'll have a late cross in the box and they're a man down. But we didn't really do anything, did we, during that spell after they went down to 10 men and the game kind of petered out, Ollie. Um, and yeah, muted response on final whistle, reflecting on the crowd again, which I think was probably a fair reflection of the game as a whole. And despite that kind of exciting moment. And yeah, just again, observations. It's been a while since we've had such a sort of muted, um, no booze, because we'd come back and got a point and that was always, that's always good from where we were, but definitely not that kind of, of fundamental 1 million percent back and it was almost like, oh, yeah, you know, we might be in some trouble here this season and it's just starting to dawn on us again. So, um, yeah, I don't know what you made of the, the final reaction to it, Sean. I think it was a little bit, like for me personally, it was of, 
okay, we haven't lost the game, we weren't brilliant, we've got a point. However, frustrated in the fact that we probably had a couple of, well, we had a couple of good openings second half where we probably could have nicked it in the end. We looked, out of the two teams, I thought second half, I thought we probably looked more likely to win it. Um, it was a nothing second half. The weather wasn't great. It was a boring second half. It was a boring game in general, to be honest. It was a typical <laughs> bottom end of League One yeah. crap game. It was it was naff. I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it was as bad as too. yeah. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it was as bad as Gillingham the other week, where that was probably up there with the worst game of football I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, I think I think it was just you know what would. What do you what do you say? It's like yeah, we got a point, and it was a bit meh, really. You know, people were just like yeah, same reaction. Mm. Like yeah, we got a point, but I think it's the realization that don't get me wrong, we had great result against Sheffield Wednesday. We were on a great run up until then, but we were never ever ever out of danger. We were never yeah. out of danger, so there's still a long way to go in the season. Um, and I think the last few results have kind of hit home with people thinking that who've got too far ahead of themselves that, no, let's be realistic, we're still well in this. Um, and there's a lot of work that needs to be done before we get ourselves safe. A lot of work to be done with a window closed, which brings us will bring us nicely <laughs> onto the we'll get transfer to that in a window. But, um, I yeah, look forward I think, to this. I think, I think the one-all end reaction, I think, yeah, a point, whatever. But I think it's just people's reaction to a bit of everything, really. It's, it was cold, it was crap. Um, first half mm. was terrible. Second half was a bit better. Didn't take our chances. Um, just, yeah, just poor. And then maybe even a little bit of frustration about the transfer window as well. All thrown in yeah. there for good measure. So I think it was yeah. just people are fed up, fed up with, um, fed up with, you know, we've talked about it a lot in you know, the last three years of not, you know, not winning enough games and not seeing a lot of entertainment. Yep, true enough. I suppose let's leave that game there then because that's a good way to sum it up what you just did then. Um, for me, for top three, it's a bit of an interesting one. I don't think he really stood out to many people, but um, I went for Bennett, man of the match, purely because across the 90 minutes, he was consistently, you know, a, a kind of his good standards that he's been putting in this season. He didn't look like the ropiest of defenders, I didn't personally think, during the game. And um, in the second half, played pretty well when the team improved as well. So uh, as much as my number two and number three are probably the more the players that more people probably thought had better games because of that good spell we had, I, I personally had to give it to Bennett. I just thought across the game, he was, he was you know, similar to when Vela gets a lot of man of the matches. I thought he was probably our best player. So that's why I gave man of the match. Um, but I gave Leahy second. I say didn't have a great game at left wing left wing back um, and was kind of wasted, but certainly brought us some legs and energy in the second half for for a spell there. And I gave Janahai uh, a third because I thought it was just a really impressive cameo off the bench, Ollie. So um, yeah, what about you? Yeah, I went for um, the same players actually. Funny enough, just oh, in okay. a different order. Um, I went for Leahy. Um, yeah, he wasn't great at left wing back. Um, he wasn't great. It wasn't a great performance. But I thought that ball he did for for Bowman, I thought was a great bit of play. Um, I thought his penalty, you know, under pressure, um, he took the took the penalty and put it away. Um, so for that, I think he deserved man of the match. Yeah, Bennett, I say, Glenn, you know, he was consistent throughout the game. Not great in the first half, maybe mm. along with many other players. I wouldn't say he was hiding, but he didn't really offer that much. Um, and yeah, and I, to be honest, um, I think the third choice is very hard. Um, very slim pickings, I think, mm. in third. And I think Sean agrees with that. Yeah, I couldn't. I've I've only picked two players to be honest with you because there just wasn't a perform. I'm not. I'm not saying that we were all rubbish, but I think it was just one of those games where nobody really stood out to be honest. And I think the two that I would pick first was Lee He because I think he was 
I don't think it worked for him at left wing back yet. He was a driving force for a second half and he was imperative to everything that we were trying to do. Um, but he still never gave up even in the first half, but he was less effective. And then my second choice was Jana because I thought he came and changed, changed, he changed the game for us really because he came on with that little bit of something different, that bit of pace uh, and trickery and, and got us back into the game. So yeah, I would think it would be those two for me. Third, I can't. I couldn't pick a third because, as I say, there was nobody really that stood out for me. I think a lot. The rest of them were really fives or six out of tens, really. Fair enough. I mean, Ollie, I didn't listen to Steve Cottrell on the way home. One because I went into the bar under the ground uh, in the, in the corporate facilities I was in and had a couple of pints. Um, but two, I did enough of him shouting in the old game. I didn't need to hear any more of him. I, I was fairly fairly clear what he thought about that match. But I don't know. Did you have a chance to listen to him back this week? Um, no, I haven't. I just oh, well, wasn't, wasn't, wasn't in the mood to really <laughs> listen to him. To be honest, um, wasn't in the mood. I didn't listen to anything after the game. I. I can't remember what I did. Uh, did I listen? Yeah, I think I listened to some music when I went, walked out, um, and, and some yeah. So I just comment. I did. He did. I did get from the website one thing. He says, "Suppose a little disappointment in the end. We did nothing mm. second half to win it. I don't necessarily think we deserve to be behind at half time. I don't understand how you can say that at all. But I don't think we deserve to be in front at half time. <laughs> no, certainly not. Um, so yeah, it was. It was. Um, yeah, it was. A, it wasn't a great performance. And I think that's let's let's move. Let's forget about this game and move on. Yeah, let's forget about this game and the performance and move on to talking about our transfer window, which will really cheer us up, Ollie. Godfrey forward to the feet of Nolan to Nahua. Nahua, can he get the shot in here? On he goes. Nahua does shoot and he scores! He's won it! Arthur Nahua! Off the bench in stoppage time! Transfer business. So let's review the January transfer window. So there's four players in, four players out. Who went out? Lechabella went back to Leicester. Koshgrove, um, I guess he kind of went, technically went back to Birmingham, then went on loan to AFC Wimbledon. And um, Pike has gone on loan to League Two to Scunthorpe. And then better sealed a transfer um, to Swansea. Um, it's believed it was about 300k. Um, and I, I think it's fair to assume that the club often do sell-on fees. Um, so I'm sure we've got that. So if he makes a big move or um, if they get promoted and things like that, I'm sure there'll be some bonuses in line for Shrewsbury. But I think it's probably a good move for a better to get to get out. And um, we know he wanted to leave in the summer. Um, and so, and you know, to get 300 grand for a player who's been with us for a year, uh, I think that's a good bit of business. Um, players that came in, um, Stein striker, um, Janae, who we've talked about a bit today, um, for now in midfield. And we've got Bonswell on, on loan from Newcastle United as a left back, left wing back. And Flanagan, we signed a two and a half deal from Sunderland. So, um, so Glenn, I'll ask you the question first and then let's, let's get Sean's opinion. Overall, do you think the squad is in a better place um, for this, the four in and four out? If it is, it's very, very, very marginal, Ollie, would be my view, really. Um, you know, the quality of the four players we've got rid of and the quality of the four players we've brought in, there is an argument to say that that's better. My issue with saying, is the squad better now? The, the squad incorporates, you know, everybody in the squad that's already here. And it also that discussion has to incorporate the problems that we still have in this team. And I don't know whether who he's brought in is really realistically going to be good cover for Bennett if he goes injured. I certainly know he didn't bring any kind of attacking midfielder in. So um, our squad is still, in my view, just as weak and maybe lopsided as it was before. So I'm not sure whether that's been fully addressed. I think that like for like, Janahai is probably an upgrade on, on Cosgrove and Pike for sure. So, you know, striking options maybe are slightly better. Although we're, we're a player down, but we do have blocks on, so that's not really an issue. Um, I'm not sure why we bought a centre-back. I'm thinking we're, we're obviously thinking about further down oh, the line. We needed a centre-back. Yeah, sure. maybe I don't. I think Pierre is is good enough cover for the rest of the no, season. You need, right footed, you need a right footed cover yeah, for Ebanks or Pennington. If either of those two get injured, would be in real big trouble. 
Yeah, maybe, maybe we're covering you know paying five senior centre backs a wage now, and only three are going to play every week. So who knows? But um, yeah, you know, maybe we could have moved Pierre on. Maybe that would have been a good idea. Um, but yeah, so you know, we've we've got that, and then Matty Bondswell from Cottrell's comments, he's not going to play very much, is he? He's talking about sending back a better player, but he's going to take a while to get up speed. So I suspect he isn't going to play all that much, um, but is is some cover, I suppose, for better if we need it and he does come on. Um, and yeah, so, and, and for now, just another midfielder, we do need a body. So uh, marginal for me, Ollie. It's a bit of a long-winded way of saying things about what we haven't done, I suppose, more than what we did do. But for me, very marginal. Um, and, and the proof will be in the pudding about some of those players to see whether they play that much and what kind of quality they bring, really, because we haven't seen it yet. But um, I don't know, what were you Sure. Not really, to be honest. My my, I don't think we've 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 got better this window. I'd probably say quality's better, but the thing that was concerned me the most is numbers. You know, we I think we're at zero, aren't we? We're exactly the same position as we were before the window opened. For me, we need depth. We've got absolutely no depth whatsoever in the squad. Um, I think Flanagan's a cracking signing. I do think that's a very good signing for us, even to get him on a free as well. You know, that's obviously a long-term signing, isn't it, with a two-and-a-half-year deal. For me, Pierre's not going to be here next season. I'm not truly bothered about that because he's not been the same player since lockdown. Um, so I think his days are numbered anyway, so we've got to start looking ahead to what we can do going into next season and beyond. So that, that signing made sense. We needed another centre-half and a right-footed centre-half. So I'm fine with that one. We needed a left wing back, obviously, because Old Better went, which is you know I was, I was disappointed with. Um, but again, we've made great money on a lad that probably wasn't going to stay anyway in the summer. Um, so Bondswell makes sense um, to come in to, to to fill that role. Fauna, yeah, you know we needed a midfielder, but we needed another midfielder as well. You know we've the thing is with our midfield we've got at the moment you've got. Lee, who's obviously technically by trade a left back, left wing back. However, I do, I, me personally, I do see him as a centre mid now. Um, and then you've got Dave Davis, who is the the shield in front of the back four. Fauna is one of them as well. He's a shield in front of the back four, which is probably why the eight doesn't suit him, and that probably showed yesterday. Um, and then Vela's obviously the only player that's really a driving run forward. So, in regards to creativity. We have energy in there, but we don't have that player that's going to spark something different. Um, so we missed that straight away. That was a player that we we should have got in, um, but we didn't. Strikers, I was absolutely delighted to see Reckill Pike go and Cosgrove go. I'm not going to lie, you know, they've, they've two frauds of footballers. How, how they're football players, I'll never know. Um, and if they listen to this, then you know, take it on the chin. But that's the truth. You know, they're not they're not good enough. Um, but then the concern for me from that is we didn't bring anybody in. So we've let two go. Um, I know we brought Janner in, but he's unproven at this level. And I probably think that our strike force is now weaker um, than what it was before the window um, before the window opened. Um, we've got two, obviously, two strikers that play week in, week out. They've now hit a bit of a, a bad patch in the season, which which naturally happens to every striker. Um, they're not going to be great all season. Then after that, you're then relying on an unproven kid from Bristol City. Don't get me wrong, he was brilliant yesterday when he came on, but again, he's unproven. And then you're then also relying on Tom Bloxham, who, who's got all the ability to go far, yet he's still only a kid. Has probably played a lot more football than what we thought he would have done this season. And then... Who's your other option? You've got Charlie Caton, who's who's nowhere near ready. So, on that part, 
I would say I'm disappointed with how it's turned out. Had the players come in are, are good enough, yes. I do think the quality is better, but the numbers are nowhere near good enough and we're, we're still at square one for me. Yeah, I'd agree with that, Sean. I think that's fair. I think probably man for man, um, probably the player, no, Jenna's better than Cosgrove. Um, Fornell looks better than Lesha Bella. Um, Bonswell, no, he's 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 probably not really going to play. And obviously Fallingen is obviously a first-team player as well. And losing our better for me is, is a huge loss going forward. So I think we've, in some ways, we've strengthened the we've strengthened the defence, which is one of the best better defences in the league. But we've but we've haven't addressed our big issues, have we? So I think Fannigan's a great signing. We certainly needed someone who can play in defence. I mean, he has played, funny enough, left back for Burton, which I think is quite hilarious. Uh, but he's going to be a, a central or or the right sided player who's either going to start ahead of Ebanks and or probably not Pennington, but maybe he'll start central or maybe Ebanks. I'm not sure what's going to happen. It'd be interesting to see whether Ebanks is here next year. But I think you know if you play three central defenders, you need at least two um, backups. Um, so I think that's a good signing. But as you've both alluded to, the biggest issue, the two biggest issues for me, well, three three big issues we went into the transfer window was um, lack of numbers in central field, lack of a number ten, and lack of um, cover or you know a right wing back. And we haven't addressed those issues. I do Crazy. worry about Bowman and Ado. You know, I don't think they're they're not they're not top end. They're not they're not great. Um, and as, as Sean said, the backup to those then is a little bit limited, and you're asking a lot of two young lads to try and you know, perform every week. So yeah, it's it's for me. I, I'm very <laughs> underwhelmed by the window. Um, the numbers haven't gone up, um, and I'm really concerned about our ability to score goals. Um, I think it's going to be a long stretch to the end of the season now. Um, and just on Charlie Caton, I think surely he needs to go out on loan. Um, I'm sure he's obviously learning a bit, being with um, being with the first team. But you know, you need to play some games, so hopefully he can go out on loan. I thought, I thought it was funny this weekend. You know, now we've sent all the kids who've been on the bench over the last couple of months back to the uh, the youth team with a bit of having trained with the first team. They smashed someone. It was five nil on Saturday morning. I can't quite remember. I think it was Warsaw they played, and yeah, Caton uh, was involved, and Kanida and, and Craig, all those lads that have been on the bench. So presumably that experience has done them the world of good in terms of our uh, youth team. So that was nice to see, but. Yeah, I, I, I think we've all said enough there, haven't we? I don't doesn't feel like we've made giant steps forward. The Flanagan one stands out as something for the future, and, and you, you and um, you and Sean are a bit more impressed about the, the timing of it really than I am. If we could have got him in the summer, but it, it comes to the next question, which is obviously we lost out on players again, and you know. It's just, Cottrell's not been shy to admit that, has he? I think, is it DeCosta from Coventry was almost certainly sounding yeah. like he was nailed on to come. Lost, lost decided, decided to go back to Portugal and, and uh, get some sun. Can't blame him. Sounded like we were trying to get that other lad um, from Sunderland, whose name escapes me now, and, and maybe that deal fell through, through late on. Yeah. Um, so, obviously missed out. Gooch would have been a good addition. He could have played yeah. in an attack, more attacking role. But we've just it's, it's just very frustrating. You know, it's all foresee the issues that we have. Um, yeah. and, we, and we just need that. We need... That creativity, someone who's going to score a few goals from central midfield, playing that number ten role, be something a bit dynamic. And as we were talking about in this game, you know, we're we are so predictable. What we're going to do now? You need someone who's got that creative spark. And one of the things that I'm really worried about losing of better is that he was one of the few players that could dribble. Yeah. Um, and I know he didn't have a lot of assists. I think he's only had one assist this season. Um, he's he does put a decent ball in the box, and he's a threat, and someone the opposition will, will worry about. Um, I don't think Alihi is as much of a threat as Ogbetta going forward um, as a kind of dynamic running forward wing back. But mm. but for me, the hope is that I think that Nurse will play there. 
and I'd really look forward to seeing Nurse play there. And Nurse is pacey. We know he's got a good delivery. He's got two assists this season. So you never know. You never know. In a few weeks, I might be going. We don't need to worry about Ogbetta because Nurse is playing fantastically well. And fingers Hopefully. crossed that's that's the outcome. But I do concern. I am very much concerned about our ability to score goals. To be fair, Ogbetta's assist was pretty good. It was Anfield. So we'll give him that. No, one that was in the league. I've saw him at league assists. He's only got <laughs> no, I'm one. Joking. But, um, yeah. but yeah, that was a good ball. And that just shows you the quality he had on the ball. You know, he, yeah. he, was, he was a good player. Um, whether he can defend well enough to be a, a, a solid championship player, that's to be seen. But fingers crossed he does well, because if he does well, then, then we'll benefit. But here's one for Sean. We're skirting around the main question. Why is this the second transfer window we have seemingly struggled to recruit players in the players' positions we need them and done very little business in the transfer market and seen players who we assume as fans would probably be suited to coming to us and seemingly not been able to get them. You know, where, where are you at with this at the moment, Sean? Obviously, we've seen um, Steve and Keith and, and their team work in terms of transfers. I'm led to believe from some of the things I heard at the weekend that um, Brian doesn't have that much to do with transfers anymore. It is very much Steve and Keith running the show, which is fair enough because they're the manager and the scout, I suppose. Um, what do you make of it all at the moment? Frustrated personally. Um, two transfer windows where we failed to do the right business. I think the thing that has annoyed me the most is the fact that we Cottrell was coming out with quotes before the window opened of saying about his targets. He's got irons in the fire of who he wants to bring in. So straight away you're thinking, okay, great. He knows what we've got to come in. So there we are sat there expecting a right wing back to come in. We're expecting a number 10, a creative player. We're expecting those players to come into those relevant positions. And then when you get into the final day of deadline day and you're still scrapping around trying to find cast-offs, basically, because others, other teams don't want them, it's incredibly frustrating. It all goes um, back to January, doesn't it, Sean? I'm sorry, not January, the summer. It's yeah, very you, hard you chase to sign them. players because they're either on yeah. six months left or they've got you know 18 months left on their contracts. Yeah, the January transfer window is crap. It's rubbish because you, you, I, I say that because you pay overinflated prices for players that probably aren't that aren't worth that much money. So it's 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 always like a month of panic stations for some teams and some teams to flex their muscles a bit, like we found out when we were obviously in the top end of League One with Bert, with Blackburn and Wigan when they decided to flex their muscles a little bit more than we could. Um. And yeah, so you know, at the end of the day, the summer transfer window has bit us in the arse, and we've we've paid for it ever since. So I don't know. I mean, is he fishing in a pool that we're not, we have no right to be in? You know, you, you talk, you hear these players that we were looking at in the summer, like Chucks and Ike. I mean, let's be brutally honest, Chucks and Ike wouldn't come to Shrewsbury Town, you know, unless he's unless he's having a bit of a Grant Holt moment where his mm. his career is going a bit downhill and he needs that that little bit of a reigniting of his own career. Chuck Zanike's career wasn't going downhill. So, you know, we're never going to compete with massive teams like that. I I just can't believe we haven't... I can't believe we're sat here and we're still having the same conversations and it's just so frustrating. And Don't get me wrong, I I, I think the player, the, the quality of player that Cottrell has brought in, I think, has been very good. And, you know, I think most of them have been good signings for us. Even the ones in the summer in large, have been fantastic for us. You know, they've been key players for this season. But it all comes down to quantity. You know, how many have you actually got? And the moment you start losing players, you're we've got nothing to back up. We fall back on. We've got no depth to our squad. I just find it alarming, Sean. There's 44 teams, isn't there, in the Premier League and Championship. Yeah. 
and most of those teams have you know, under 18s, under 19s, under 23s, whatever. Mm. I just find it quite surprising that we couldn't get mm. a attacker midfielder from yeah. one of those clubs Stupid. on loan. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I think the thing that concerns me is the fact that Cottrell talks about um, the the players not being out there for us, and you know, and then you're seeing teams like like Fleetwood, for example, yesterday were a completely different team to the one we played when we spanked them three 0 because they've recruited yeah. in the areas totally, that they totally. needed to. Exactly. Yeah, I thought they yeah. were a big a big improvement from Fleetwood team. Yeah, you know they've they've got more they've got more strength and, and height to them now, so they they've improved. And you look at other teams around us that have improved. I look at teams below us. I don't think they have. I don't think Crew had a good window. I don't think Doncaster had a good window. Gillingham didn't have a good window. So there are teams out there that have had worse windows than us. But and that's our saving grace, maybe. Maybe that's it what is, they've done. It, it, maybe they thought, we'll, we'll bank the, the, Norburn, the Norburn money, we'll bank the yeah. better money, and we'll, we'll recruit well in the summer. If that's the plan, then fantastic. But unfortunately, Glenn, it's going to be um, pretty yep. um, hard watch between now and the end it, of the season. It is. And you say you're most of the team, you know, some of the teams below us have had worse windows. I mean, there's an argument to, to look at that. I mean, a lot of the teams below us signed loads of players in this window. It wasn't like they couldn't sign them. Fleetwood, I think Doncaster maybe got in like nine or something ridiculous. Like that. Lots of the teams below us got in over five or six players during this window. Obviously, we bought in four, but got rid of four as well. And obviously, they would have shifted players out as well. So there is that balance as well. But let's not pretend that deals didn't get done in League One. We were one of the least active teams in terms of recruitment in this window. There is no fact about it. The only teams that recruited less than us in the window were the likes of Rotherham and Wickham and Wigan and look where they are in the league Gilling, got G- Gillingham teams. had a poor window they lost one of their best midfielders yeah, they got a better they manager but um, but yeah yeah but I don't think we did well in comparison to the teams around us no. either to be honest with you and then you look at um, you look at you know Fleetwood is a good example so I, I you know you, you can't tell me Ollie um, that, that that having no number 10 uh, you know attacking midfielder is better than maybe a half semi-injured John Nolan right a man who had his contract released so no transfer fee to pay are you telling me that we are now at a point at this football club that we couldn't compete with Bristol Rovers in the league below us? If that's the case, then we're in a bit of shit, aren't we? Let's be honest about it. And I, yeah, there is the argument that he probably didn't want him. Fine. But to me, there's a good example of someone or something. There would have been numerous players that are out of contract that we could bring in and just have that cover. And he will not do it. It's not part of his strategy. And we should stop really thinking it's ever going to happen because it isn't. But to me, you know, someone like John Nolan would have fitted a bill, would have got the fans back on side, probably would have played 10, 15 games through now at the end of the season. Might have, might have been a bit of a, a Harrison, um, you know, last season. Might have, might, might have done the job like that in a couple of games and saved us some wins. You never know. But we're not we're not going to be able to play with a number 10. We still, still, still simply don't have one, which is furious, really. Yeah, well, John, John, didn't play, John Nolan didn't play number 10 for us. But yeah, he's gone to he League do. 2. He's gone to, yeah, maybe. He's gone to League 2. To, um, he's gone to lead two potentially for a reason. Um, so yeah, but it, but yeah, I know what you mean. It would, it would at least have been a bit of brought a smile on our face for a few hours um, to see him sign. Well, even if he didn't play attacking midfield, we're still midfield sure, You know, for when Davis's yeah. legs fall off because they're almost half done now in the season. So I don't know. Just it would, this, yeah, this it would have this... been. I don't know. Maybe Bristol Rovers are paying him crazy money, um, and he's gone and signed for that. Who knows? I but I think. But I think forgetting about John Nolan for a moment. Um, yeah, we, um, you know, even even look at. I thought Gillingham hadn't signed many players. They still signed five players. Yeah, most teams, most teams signed five, but obviously they weren't working necessarily from a base that we were starting from. Gillingham certainly because they got a tiny, tiny budget. But yeah, overall, I think it was quite a frustrating window, rather underwhelming. 
Good word. I, I think I said. Have we got anything else on transfers? Is there people we missed? I mean, Camps was another one we were supposed to be looking at. We missed out on Sean. You know, there, there's people out of contract who on the Monday morning we didn't even apparently look at. And it's not something Steve Cottrell likes to do, bringing out of contract players to fill gaps by the look of it, is it? So I think what we've got mm. now, we're definitely riding with it, aren't we? We're not recruiting anymore. No, I, I, there's one thing that I do miss is the old word on the street that we always used to get of little snippets of <laughs> players that we were always looking at. We don't get that anymore, which is fine. I, you know, at, at the end of the day, you don't want people finding out your club's business because people steal the march on you. But for me now, it's it's. Do you trust them to do another window in the summer? I mean, it's it's. It, at the moment, I'm feeling like looking ahead to the summer. It's like. I don't know, I'm frustrated with how we're doing at the moment with the two transfer winners mm. we've had now. Is Keith Burt actually real? I've never actually seen an interview with him. I mean, they talk about this Keith Burt, you know, we were sold this when Cottrell took over that this guy was brilliant, you know, and don't get me wrong, as I say, he's brought in some good quality players, but what's he been no. doing? What's he been well, doing? you don't what's know, do doing? you? That's the thing, isn't it? I get the sense that Steve Cottrell says that he's... Obviously, I think he makes the final say. You never know. Maybe Keith Burt showed him 500 players and the manager said no to all of them. And we don't know. But, yeah, it's an interesting point, is it? Do we trust Harry them? Kane. Um, do we... Yeah, what do we do? But I think, yeah, no, getting rid of the manager and starting again is probably not really ideal either. So we're kind yeah. of... Yeah, it's a little bit depressing, really, isn't it? Um it- I mean, we've got a relegation battle coming up, haven't we? Let's be honest about it. And yeah. uh, the relegation being decided or not is going to come down to whether he did do enough in these two transfer windows. And if he doesn't, you know, I've, I've said all along, if we were to get relegated out of the league this season based on the on the on the crisp on the su- summer window, add into that the January window, I'd have no no qualms in asking for cultural to go if we got oh, relegated. Yeah. I wouldn't want him running around. So it's 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 what it's shit or bust. I'm assuming if we stay up, I'm assuming we stay. I think we will stay up. Um, I think yeah. I think the thing we're fortunate just... this year there is some really bad teams in this division, um, and there's a. But I totally agree with you both. We're still out of the relegation battle. You know we yeah. haven't done very well against teams around us. No, we often do Marvel. teams better above us. But I'm looking ahead to this week. We've got a very tough um, game this week. Uh, two games this week where we're playing um, Wickham away, mm. who are flying, and Plymouth who are having a great season as well. Um, so I think this is going to be a very very tough week. <laughs> a bit of a shitter, isn't it, to be fair, what we've got coming up this week. And it'll definitely put the context into those last two wins. Um, sorry, the last three or four games, you know, those teams around us, whether that was good to claw up some points. But if we lose these two back-to-back, then this last run looks absolutely terrible. And uh, we're back to asking some very difficult questions. I mean, from what I've seen, I mean, I've been to quite a lot of the away games recently and I've, I've watched us at home. Um, take away um, the Bolton game. It's not been overly impressive. I could, I could see us scrapping hard and losing both games um, quite closely, to be honest with you. Um but then we do throw in the occasional good result against some of these sort of high-flying teams, don't we? And, and even away from home last season under Cottrell. So you can't write out off a couple of good results. But I think my, if I was to be looking at a hedge betting, it, I'd be looking at us to probably take a maximum of a point from this week, Sean. I don't know, don't know if you're feeling any more positive than that. I've got this stupid feeling that we'll get four points this week. <laughs> and I don't know. I, don't, I haven't drunk anything this afternoon. You're but okay. <laughs> Am I okay? I don't know. Um <laughs> But no, seriously, I, I don't. I, we it's typical Shrewsbury Town. It's been typical Shrewsbury Town since see, I've I've been supporting the club for like twenty five years now, and we always seem to turn up against bigger teams. Why not go for better both, teams? Sean? Why not go for six points? <laughs> Why not? Eh? Why not go for six points? It's, it's and then we talk- bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, we would we'd say now. You know, the transfer window is terrible. We are basically in the in, we're absolutely screwed, and then yeah, next Sunday we'll come back. We've won two games and we're like in the top half or something. 
Bloody yeah, I mean, our, our po- podcasts and and feelings are all dictated by results, aren't they? You know, I've, I've like I listen to your guys' podcasts every, every week, and you know, after some dismal runs, you know, it, it's mm. everybody's feeling absolutely flat as a pancake, and then after great runs, everybody's feeling euphoric and, and fantastic. Yep. But yeah, realistically, will we get anything this week? Probably not. But I've just got this sneaky feeling that we could get something. Um, as I say, we're making ourselves harder to beat. But it's just the top end of the pitch that's a big, big problem for me. But um, maybe counter-attacking, and that's it, isn't it? Counter-attacking against yeah. two teams that expect to win away from home is the kind of game and where we go and get something. It's funny football, yeah. a funny old game. But then there's yeah. that stat, isn't there, that we've been much poorer. You know, we've got most of our wins this season in games where we've only had one game that week, and we've. You know, if you look at the stats, I'll have to bring them up. Maybe put my Blue and Amber's Twitter account tomorrow. But you know, there's a there's a good percentage difference of our form during these two game weeks because of the small squad we've got. So there's lots of factors into it, isn't there? Um, but you know, you've got to you've got to say what your heart feels. So you're positive, uh, Sean. I'm I'm a bit negative about it. Are you in between, Ollie? <laughs> I think we're probably going to lose both games. <laughs> oh no, um, you're worse. <laughs> but um, but uh, but I'm happy to be proved wrong. And yeah, I'd love to come back, obviously. <laughs> On um, on Sunday next week, Lynn, um, and talk about two mm. talk about talk about some amazing goals and, and six points and um, being out of the relegation fight. There, there was what, one funny thing just as we're wrapping up this podcast. I read in the week about um, signing uh, what's the guy from Sunderland called Gooch. I'll cut this out. Gooch. No, the, the one we signed Flanagan. Flanagan. Sorry. Yeah, there was one funny thing I read this week uh, when I saw Flanagan's interview and he joined the club. And this goes back to what we talked about the transfer window. And I'm not sure whether this is going to fill you with fear or confidence about what we might do in the next summer. But he'd said something along the lines of he talked to Cottrell about what we're looking at to do in the summer. And he was saying that we were looking at a lot of quality players. So, to be honest with you, it might be a repeat in the summer where we start looking at lots of quality players and are scrabbling around in the, uh, in the, in the next summer window <laughs> in the last few days trying to get some not quite so quality players. But um, I did think that was quite funny this week. But yeah, there we go. Tough week coming up. Um, and uh, a tough week that's just gone as well. But um, yeah, we, we live in hope, don't we, Sean? And um, yeah, hopefully we'll get a win. But yeah, ch- cheers for, for coming back on and good luck for your remaining games of the season um, for the Thank first half guys. of Wednesday. Yeah, cheers, guys. It's been uh, it's been great uh, talking all things Shrewsbury Town. And yeah, I, I do enjoy listening to, to the pod every week. So I would say it's a nice pick-me-up, but it all depends on, uh, yeah. on how the results are. Because... Well, yeah, as I said before, if I'm listening to it after we've had a horrendous result over the weekend, I, I kind of fall into the pits of despair again. But no, keep it, I, I do enjoy it, guys. It's fantastic. Keep it going. Cheers, man. You've got your own rebuild to do next time. I you like Steve Cottrell. So, yeah, good luck, good luck with that. Um, Cheers, man. Ollie, yeah. We will be back next week. It's a tricky week, isn't it, for following Tuesday Town. I think I follow for us on, on Tuesday night. I'm not going to be able to get down to Wickham, I don't think, because of work commitments. Um, and then, yeah, obviously... A bit of a long schlep on uh, next uh, Saturday down to um, to Plymouth, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, I might not be able to make a game this week, which is a bit unfortunate. But I'm sure we'll. I'll, I'll find a way to watch it. Don't worry. Yeah, definitely watching <laughs> both games. I don't. I don't think I'll be. I'm moving house soon. Um, so and um, yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm pushing my luck going to home games at the moment with a new baby and and moving house. So um, we, yeah. We could hear young 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 master in the background. Yeah, the podcast, do you really so. what it was? It's really funny. Bex messaged me. And she blew raspberries on him, and he screamed in blue murder. I thought she'd like banged his head or dropped him, but apparently that was his response to raspberries. So uh, <laughs> you need to lesson. need to say none of that on a podcast night. You know, you have to you have to do that outside of it. I should. We also need to apologise, Ollie. We had a lot of feedback on last week's podcast. I know. I I hadn't about... forgotten about my <laughs> sneeze. 
yeah. So I was editing it, and um, <laughs> somehow I just missed, missed Ollie sneezing. It didn't look too bad in the edit. And um, I, I've had a few people texting me and, and send us messages saying that they were drifting off to sleep, maybe listening to the podcast or sitting Driving. in the office. And it almost gave him an absolute heart attack. It was such a loud sneeze, yeah. Ollie. So um, I don't think anyone sneezed this week, which is great news. No. So a bit of Ollie's baby in the background isn't too bad, is it? No. <laughs> so apologies for that, guys. Yeah, and yeah, and I've been a bit better this week. I've tried to meet my line because yeah, sometimes my tip tapping trying to find stats. Um, yeah, yes. sometimes. Um, yeah, you got to you got to try and find the data, Glenn. But um, yeah, another another pod done. And um, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. I really appreciate your support. Yep, good stuff. We're back next Sunday, and uh, enjoy your week all.